are glad you could join us today for the Concepts of Faith broadcast. This program is dedicated to teach you how to put the Word of God to work so that it will make a positive difference in the everyday circumstances of your life. And now, here's Charles Caps. God's Word has to have faith mixed with it. God wants you to mix faith with His Word. Now somebody said, how in the world do you mix faith with the Word of God? Well, the tongue is the mixer. You speak what God said. You say what God said. Don't say what the devil said. See, these ten spies came back telling the people what the devil said. Said through their carnal mind, through their reasoning. That's actually where it came from. But Joshua and Caleb come back saying, thank God we're well able to take it. Now the difference was that Joshua and Caleb probably went over there saying what God said about the situation. See, when you're speaking God's word out of your own mouth, it makes a tremendous difference. Because the Bible says, faith cometh by hearing. Romans 10 verse 17 says, so then faith cometh by hearing. See, faith in God comes by hearing the word of God. Sometimes we misunderstand what Paul said there. Somebody may think, well, Paul said that the only way you can get any faith is hear God's word. But that's not true. Paul's talking about faith in God, and in God's word comes by hearing what God said. Faith in the devil, then, would come by hearing what the devil said. So if we are continually hearing what the devil said, then we're going to have faith in the devil to defeat us more than faith in God to put us over. And this is why that the Bible says here that the word preached didn't profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. Now let's just take, for instance, what God told Joshua. God told Joshua in Joshua 1.8, he said, Don't let this book of the law depart out of your mouth. Now, you know what he's talking about there? He's talking about the book of the law, the Word of God that they had in that day. See, that's all the Word of God they had. So the way we'd say it today, don't let this Word of God depart out of your mouth. But meditate therein day and night and observe to do all that's written therein. Then thou shalt make thy way prosperous. Now, when he said, don't let it depart out of your mouth, that meant... Just keep saying what God said. Now, I think some people thought when he said that, said, don't ever put it in your mouth. No, he said, don't let it depart out of your mouth. In other words, keep saying it, keep saying it, keep saying what God, confessing what God said. And it causes faith to come. Any promise that you find in the Word of God, there is the power of faith, there is the divine energy of God in that particular promise to cause it to come to pass in your life, and in the life of everyone that will confess it until faith comes. Now, that's how faith comes. Now, you get criticized sometimes, for I do, for teaching so much on confession and confessing the Word of God. Somebody said, you're just trying to make God do something. Oh, no. I'm not trying to make God do anything. I'm just trying to get the divine energy of God that He put in His Word inside me and inside you. And it comes by confessing what God said. That's the way faith comes in God's Word. Now, faith in the devil will come by hearing the words of the devil. So if you're quoting what the devil said, then you're going to have faith in the devil. If you're quoting defeat, doubt, fear, and unbelief, then you're going to be highly developed in your fears, in your doubt, and in your defeat. But God tells us that the gospel was preached to Abraham 430 years before the law. God preached it first to Abraham. And the children of Israel wouldn't mix any faith with it. For we which have believed do enter into rest, as he saith, as I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall 
enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. In other words, we can enter into the rest of God. Now, I'm convinced that in this passage here, there's two or three things involved. He's talking about a resting place that we can come in God where we're not in such a turmoil and trouble all time, but we just simply believe God and His Word and enter into a rest when faith becomes easier because we're not trying, we're not striving. We've just simply quoted the Word of God and acted on the Word of God till it just becomes second nature to us to do that. Then again, I'm convinced that in this passage here, because of verse 4 here, it's referring to the millennium as being a day of rest. And then, of course, by law of double reference, I'm sure also that there's a comparison here of the Sabbath day. But you notice that it's not just the Sabbath it's referring to because it says you have to labor to enter into this rest. Look at verse 4. For he spake in a certain place on the Sabbath day on this wise, and God did rest the Sabbath day from all his works. And in this place again, if ye shall enter into my rest, seeing therefore it remaineth that some must enter therein, and they to whom it was first preached entered not in because of unbelief, again he limited a certain day, saying in David, Today, after so long a time, as it is said, Today, if ye shall hear his voice, and harden not your hearts. For if Jesus, or actually should be translated Joshua, if Joshua had given them rest, then would he not afterwards have spoken of another day? There remaineth therefore a rest for the people of God. For he that has entered into his rest, he also has ceased from his own works, as God did from His. Now there's also a rest and a refreshing that comes through the Holy Spirit that's spoken of in the 28th chapter of Isaiah, talked about the rest and the refreshing. With other tongues, uh, with stammering lips and other tongues, will I speak unto this people, and this shall be the refreshing. There's several things involved here, and to just pull this all down and point it toward one single thing, it would be hard to do because there's many things involved there. But there is a rest for the people of God. Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. In other words, he's showing to us that today, in this day, under the new covenant, that it's possible for us to fall under the same unbelief that those people did in that day. Now, I failed to mention this when I was talking about the angel that was assigned to them to lead them to the place that God had prepared, you see. Even though the angel was assigned for that specific purpose, if the people did not cooperate, the angel could not carry out the job. He was assigned to keep them in the way, lead them to the place. But they got out of the way and never made it to the place. Now, you see, that shows us that mankind, his own volition, his own will can thwart God's plan for his life. And it's not as some people believe. Some people believe that what is to be will be, and what is not to be won't ever happen anyway. <laughs> well, that's not the way the Bible says it. See, you can change some things. And certainly God's will was that they go to the promised land, that they be there. It was God's will for them. It was God's direction for the angel to lead them there, but they never made it because they provoke the angel and they provoke God. 
Now, you notice then that he comes on down here to verse 12. Well, let's read verse 11 and 12. Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and joints and marrow, discern of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Now, Let's read verse 11 again right quick. Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any of you fall after the same example of unbelief. We could fall under the same example of unbelief concerning the promises of the New Testament. If God assigned a special angel to lead them to the place that God had prepared for them, the promised land, then certainly I believe he sent an angel to lead us to the place that God prepared for us. What did he intend for us to have in this life? See, that was not an afterlife. That was the life they lived in there. Our promised land is the Word of God, the promises of the new covenant. God has assigned, no doubt, supernatural help to get us to the place that we can believe God for the promises and enter into the promised land here on this earth, not when we get to heaven. Oh, certainly it'll be wonderful when we get to heaven. But thank God we can enter into those things now. So we shouldn't fall there to the same example of unbelief. Now notice that he says, neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight. In other words, the word of God reveals. And it reveals everything. But all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession, our confession of faith, For we have not a high priest that cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like we are, yet without sin. Notice, he was tempted like we are, yet without sin. Now, as I said before, Jesus had to have a desire toward these things or he could not be tempted. You cannot tempt a man with something he has no desire for. He has to have a desire for it. That doesn't mean that he is just lusting after it every minute, but that means that it is appealing to him, appealing to the flesh. There is a certain amount of desire for it, or else he would not be tempted. Jesus was tempted in every area, yet without sin. Now see, this is the high priest ministry of Jesus today, and he says, let us therefore... Come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. In other words, he said, Jesus' high priest ministry is still going on. You see, for years I never knew that. I thought that Jesus was finished when he was seated at the right hand of the Father. He just retired until he got us all to heaven. But no, thank God, he's in a high priestly ministry. He is the high priest of our confession. He represents us before the Father God. He said, come boldly to the throne of grace. And grace is God's willingness to use His power and His ability on your behalf, even though you don't deserve it. So let's come boldly to the throne of grace. Thank you so much for joining us for the Concepts of Faith broadcast today. Now, our book offer this week is book offer number 7520, When Jesus Prays Through You, formerly entitled, Jesus Our Intercessor, but it's now entitled, When Jesus Prays Through You, 131-page paperback for $11 plus $4 postage and handling, a total of $15. Did you know that Scripture tells us that Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for us? How does He do that? 
Well, the Apostle Paul gives us some insight into it, and some of the other scriptures in the Bible reveal. Paul said, when we know not what to pray for as we ought, then the Holy Spirit, through our spirit, prays the way God would pray. And the scripture says that Jesus is the intercessor, and he's seated at the right hand of the Father. Now, so many times, people don't realize that under the old covenant, there was no intercessor. And in fact, Solomon wrote and said, Wherefore I praise the dead, which are already dead, more than the living, which are yet alive. Yea, better is he than both they which had not yet been, who hath not seen the evil work done under the sun. In other words, he said there was no comforter, the oppressor had power, and they that were oppressed had no power, and you would be better off dead than to live under this situation. It's a bad situation under the old covenant. When they got out from under the covenant of protection, then the curses hit them in the face, and there was power with the oppressor, but there was no power with the one receiving the oppression. And the scripture says that God looked for a man, but he found no man to stand in the gap and make up the hedge. But thank God we have a man today. His name is Jesus. Jesus is our intercessor. That's offer number 7520, 131-page paperback for $11 plus $4 postage and handling, a total of $15. We have a toll-free order line, 1-877-396-9400. Until tomorrow, this is Charles Capps reminding you the enemy is defeated, God is exalted, and Jesus is coming soon. To order the product offered today, call 1-877-396-9400 or write Charles Capps, P.O. Box 69, England, Arkansas, 72046. A complete list of CDs, books, and DVDs are available online at charlescapps.com. Through the website, you can listen to this radio program again and subscribe to our podcast. This broadcast is sponsored by Charles Capps Ministries and our listeners in this area.